let's get to going. <laughs> uh, well, I'm JJ. And I'm Shayna. And this, and this is, is your business, your business in which quarantine. I'm, which I'm sure you've forgotten because I also <laughs> forgot. It's just like, I feel like, how funny is it when we tried to start this? Like, we could not remember how to do it. Like, yeah. And it hasn't even, I mean, it's been a long time, but it's just like the time warp of what has happened in the last couple months makes makes it feel like it was like 60 years ago when we yeah. had this podcast. Right. Yeah, the last one we did, we had just uh, gone under lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just kind of coping and um, and literally sipping martinis under my blanket recording the podcast. Quarantinis. <laughs> Quarantinis. You had a quarantini. I had a talenti. <laughs> That's a right. Gu- a gubernatorial talenti. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you didn't know that word. You thought it was Italian. Yeah, I really had never heard of it. But it's funny. I had a couple of our listeners like say that that was hilarious, but also be like, you don't know that word? I'm like, I can't know every word, y'all. <sighs> we can't know all the words. I can't. We're smart. We are. But... but it's like, you know, I like to learn, too. I like to learn new things, too. Exactly. All right. Do we um, have- so we just happened to be recording this like at seven o'clock. So I oh, hear it's- all the people screaming for the hospital workers. They don't really do that in my neighborhood. Like sometimes really? I hear it a little bit, but not as much as other people. It's like pots and pans and fireworks and stuff. Like I don't hear that really? over here. Y'all whack. Yeah, maybe. We don't care. Because <laughs> it's like, save it, go save your life. It's like Fine. I see people outside and nobody's like cheering. Wow. Yeah. My whole building does it. It feels like, well, that's like sweet. In the, on the backside. Yeah. That's sweet. So, what do you want to start this week? We wanted to focus on positive stuff. Yes. Well, as positive as, as possible. Yeah. And not like fake positive, but like. I just, I think there's other places you could go if you want to hear, like, how many people got infected today. Like, I don't, Uh I don't think that needs to be our thing. And I do feel like there's been some, like, good news that's sadly been overshadowed by, like, white supremacy and then still, like, killing us in the streets and, you know, all the normal stuff that we're used to in America. Um, And so, yeah, I just wanted to, like, talk about those things first. And so this happened a couple weeks ago, but I just have to stand. So I love uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. So she's the creator of, well, amongst many things, she's the creator of the New York Times podcast 1619 Project, which is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) guys, if you haven't listened to that, like, yeah, even as, there's also a whole article series, too. Mm, even as somebody like me who feels like they're pretty, like, I read a lot of history and like especially like steeped in black history in this country and like I could pretty much link anything back to slavery like even with all that like she taught so it was just like such an amazingly done series news came out that she was awarded the 2020 Pulitzer Prize yeah which is I like saw that too. so awesome yeah like give Nicole Hannah-Jones her things and I believe like didn't like last year she she won um the MacArthur Genius Grant yeah so, well, like, 2017 she's... she won the MacArthur Genius Grant 2020 yeah, what are years what are years anymore right 2020 the Pulitzer <laughs> Prize and yeah she's on it she's just out here doing it and like remember when we went to see another round live Mm-hmm. And she wasn't she the guest? She was there. See? That's what I'm just like, I stand for her. Like, she's just so smart and so, like, just knows her stuff. And I like that she doesn't back down. Like, when I see her on Twitter, like, responding to trolls, like, trying to, um, trying to, like, discredit her reporting, mm-hmm. um, she always comes right back with the facts, and I always appreciate that. Yeah, she's just... Great, great, great. So, mm-hmm. Nicole, Hannah-Jones, like, thank you for the work that you do. And I can't wait for the more work that I know that you have to give us. But um, I'm glad. It's like, 
you know, I don't want us to need white awards, but but I am glad when I see them recognizing just like how dope we are. I also had a bit of positive news um, about a young black person doing the damn thing. Um, so Nicole, uh, so Nicholas Johnson, uh, who's a 22 year old uh, Princeton student. Um, will be the university's first Black valedictorian after 274. <laughs> <laughs> 274 years. Remember when um, at Coachella, when Beyonce talked about being the first Black host, she was like, she said, ain't, ain't, ain't that about a bitch? Yeah. That's how this is. Philip uh, recently watched that. He had it on the background, and I heard her say that, and I just kind of chuckled. She's like, no, come she on, really, like, she really it, said that. It took y'all literally centuries, but I guess good. Yeah. Better late yeah. than never. So, um, so speaking with the New York Times, uh, Nicholas said, being Princeton's first black valedictorian is very empowering, especially given its historical ties to the institution of slavery, mm. um, which was also, uh, you know, a little shade to this very university that he uh, was graduating from. I think Princeton has a long um, history of, like, uh, being involved in um, the institution of slavery. And so, you know, it was... And being very- involved in what way? Like, financially backing so apparently um along with some of its officials owning slaves there was even a slave auction um in 1766 at princeton university oh my God. Um, so so yeah i guess that's that's what he was calling back to um and apparently um uh the black um uh, student organization on Princeton's campus is also very well aware of this and has um, has organized um, around it uh, in some instances. So, mm. congrats to Nicholas yeah. um, making history after 274 years. Right. I bet you the, the old boys club is angry. I, I imagine a lot of people are grappling with some things right now. <laughs> yeah. They're big mad. Keep, stay mad. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Nicholas. Only 419 of Princeton's 5,328 undergrads are black, which is about 8%. Oh, that's more than my college. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, that is more than I yeah, thought. Yeah, it's still, more than I thought, too. Uh, a minority. I thought a good maybe two or three percent. Yeah, but out of that eight percent, oh boy, said I'm taking the. Top. Yeah, I will be one. <laughs> no, and like not even out of the eight percent. It's like yes, of the eight percent, but also of the hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, all kinds of right. Lines. The remainder percentage. You couldn't get this either. Yeah. Go ahead, Nicholas. <laughs> I always wanted to be valedictorian. I feel like I might be making this up because sometimes high school I, is like a mesh of what really happened to me and all the shows about high schoolers that I watch. But I feel like <laughs> I was pretty close to being like salutatorian what? or something. Well, we're talking about college. I- I'm talking about high school. <laughs> I went to Carnegie Mellon. I was nowhere close to that number there. So I was actually salutatorian at my high school. See, um, and I, yeah, I feel like I almost was or something. Like, I, I know I wasn't, mm-hmm. but I think it was like... Did you give a speech? No, I, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying I was. <laughs> but I think it was like me and the girl who got it were like points away from each other. Like neck and neck. Yeah. And she's a friend of mine. Like, we're still friends, yeah. but... I feel like I was close because I was on um, honor society and everything. Just everything. Everything. Well, it was like me and this other girl, Holly Robin Robertson, mm-hmm. who um, I was I was friends with since like seventh grade, and it was always like it was just like lore. Holly like, Robinson Pete. No, not her. <laughs> <laughs> she went to school in Mississippi. <laughs> A young white woman. Again. Oh, she's white. <laughs> um, no, it was like it was like common lore, you know, that we would be like battling it out for like valedictorian. She got it, but one time, one time in you know, th- and this is the tea. One time in um, middle school, I beat her for a scholarship, 
Um, and, um, you know, her, there are a lot of like Robertsons, um, in, in Moss Point. And Mm -hmm. I remember my dad pulling me to the side and being like, I don't think you understand how big of a deal that you beat a Robertson Mm -hmm. for this scholarship. And Where I you at now, it. Holly? <laughs> he writes I mean, for the Wall Street Journal. Where you at now, Holly? I mean, I think she's like a chemical engineer or something. Whatever. So she's, not doing, she's not doing too bad. But I just remember not getting it, getting what my dad was saying back then. But today, like being fully aware of like the right. politics of that. Yeah. Um, but she answered out in the end, and I got my salutatorian speech. And in college, I was nowhere near valedictorian, Ooh, but I did. <laughs> I did get. Is it summa summa cum summa cum laude? laude? Yeah, there's yeah. like magnum, magna, and summa. Whatever the 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 bigger one was, that's what I got. Oh, I think that's yeah. magna. I think that's what I got. I don't know. See, I was it nowhere. Was I don't even want to know what ranking I was. <laughs> like, I feel like I never felt dumber than at Carnegie Mellon. And it's like, I didn't do poorly, but just yeah. like people there were getting like above uh, the, the what I thought the highest GPA you could get was. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just like, are y'all yeah. out here doing extra, extra work? Right. I'm so How confused. You? Yeah. yeah. They were like getting like a 6.0. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I can't keep up. <laughs> So I was nowhere close. I was just happy to graduate, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my freshman year, I was just going through some stuff. And so, like, I got, like, one of my first C's in life my freshman year. And it was just, like, it was not a stellar year. But, like, I don't know what happened, like, junior and senior year. But it was, like, I'm getting all A's for the rest of my time in college. And I guess that made up for it. What a nerd. <laughs> Whatever. Um, um, good so, for you, Nicholas. Back to Nicholas. So yes, congrats, Nicholas. The other story I thought, since we're like, I think in agreement on just sidestepping politics right now because yeah. it's again a lot of yeah, um, a lot. Happening. Yeah, we can put some, uh, <laughs> we can put some bad news in the in the links if y'all still want to. Yeah, read yeah. Message us for some bad yeah, news. Because we definitely have it. But we did try to dig deep past that to get yeah. like a glimmer of hope. Yeah. Well, this story um, I thought would be helpful for um, our listeners. Um, and it's from the journal. And it's um, it's about 10 financial moves did that you, you should make. Did you write it? I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is not self-promotion this time. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's it's about ten financial moves to make if you have lost your job oh, or fear that like you that. will. And we should definitely include this in the notes because you know the job losses to um, I think just announced this week are staggering. Yeah. Um, so you know, just some some um, tips is obviously to survey your spending. Um, you know, make those phone calls to negotiate with lenders mm-hmm. to see if you can like negotiate lower payment um, um, installments. Um, you know, you might want to think about pausing retirement contributions, um, depending on your situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I I thought this was a good something good to share with the listeners, but also for us to talk about ways that we're both like just preparing yeah i mean i do i think it's smart and it's funny because like yes you should do these things when you've lost your job but just like in general we should take this stock of our finances every once in a while to like Mm -hmm. see if our spending makes sense to see if our savings make sense um you know it's something that i try to do i'm a little neurotic about money but um it's something that i honestly try to do monthly so i've sent you my budget Mm-hmm. template and something that I do on there is I track my paychecks so mm. I have like a column all the way to the right where I say what my paychecks are and if it looks like particularly low one one paycheck then I like I just like want to make sure that my tax withholdings are correct and just like keep on top of that um, and so just to be fully transparent like while thankfully I'm still working during this time Uh, We did have to take salary decreases at my company. And so it did kind of make me hyper aware of what I'm doing. Um, And some of the things you mentioned on this list are exactly what I did. Like I had a 
a pretty high percentage going into my retirement. So I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't stop it completely, but I lessened it to be only what my company would match mm-hmm. so that I can still take advantage of that essentially free money. Um, and then I, the minute they suspended those student loans, I was right on the phone saying, <laughs> I will see you suckers when this is over. Because And then they're trying to ask you, they're yeah. trying to offer you to keep paying. Yeah, they said, they said the interest has been waived, but you can keep paying to like, pay off faster. I was like, absolutely not. Y'all, <laughs> Why would I do that? y'all will take this money out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> I hate them. And they're always like, so pleasant. And I try to be pleasant back, but also like, F you. Like, this is ridiculous. So I paused that instantly. Um, what else did I do? Just kind of like anything that wasn't essential like if it's not gonna have my lights be turned off or like me kicked out of my apartment which i know they can't really do right now but i don't really want to put my landlord in that spot like Mm -hmm. then it's not getting paid and like yeah before all of this started i thankfully had paid down most of my credit cards so i'm still paying off this daggone invisalign bill but other than that i'm fine um and so i think it's been a blessing to see that even with my pay decrease, like doing things like taking down my 401k contribution, not eating out, pay, not having to pay for the daggone MTA. It's like my, I'm able to see still an okay amount of money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all that money I get back from loans. And so yeah. I do. I feel like this is smart, even if you didn't haven't lost your job. You know, it's yeah. just like smart to start thinking about how much liquid savings you can have. Because four hundred one k's are great, but it's like if you need that tomorrow, that's not necessarily like money in your hand. So yeah, you, I, yeah, I, I, I made you need a, to have um, access to money right now. Exactly. Yeah, I made um, when I went freelance. Um, I uh, I wrote about this. Um, a couple months back, but, um, I, um, withdrew from my, from my 401k, <clears throat> not really fully. I mean, I, I definitely did it for this, for security, but I wasn't fully aware of like the financial consequences. Yeah. And thankfully it's not, it's not a devastating financial consequence, but it definitely like, like if I knew, if I had known then what I know now, I definitely wouldn't have done that. And so, um, yeah, I think I think like cash savings is like um, top of mind for a lot of people right now. Yeah, for sure. Are you finding that you like saving more? Like, oh, oh my gosh! As a result, yes. Of- because the thing about New York is like, yes, the rent is expensive, but it's really like the rent plus just like living an enjoyable life here. And so, mm-hmm. like, no, I don't get to do anything that I love, which is weighing on me. But <laughs> it's like. That also means that when I'm, it, it's like, I was thinking about, I feel like in my head, I was like, I'm going to save so much money, like not having to like buy lunch out or not eating out. But on top of that, it's just also like when you're away from your home all day, when you want a snack, you have to buy it. Right. And when you leave your charger at home and you're out, like you got to buy a new charger and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Whereas like when you're just tethered to your house, like, I went out for a walk this morning, um, a social distance walk with a friend of mine that lives in my neighborhood, and she stopped and got a coffee. Who was his friend? I'm, I gotta have friends. You moved up to Harlem. Like, I don't know what you want me to do down here. <laughs> I need to know what her name is and how you know her. No. Um, and she stopped and got a coffee, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll get a matcha. And then I'm like, girl... You got a matcha at home and you're going right home. Like, right, you know, there's right. there's really no reason ex- yeah. except to support local business, which like, Absolutely. I do want to do. But then I also do enjoy the fact that, like, when my next paycheck comes, I, like, didn't spend that much of my last one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yes, to an- the long yeah. answer to that is I feel like I definitely have been saving more um, yeah. and just being... You know, I, I've been looking at people talking about how much they're shopping, and I don't know how they're doing that in a good conscience, because right now, yeah. nothing's coming yeah. in this house. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I know people who, like, are, are 
are shopping and I, but on one hand, I get it because there's a psychological component to that, right? For like sure. you're at home and you like want to be able to control something. Like what? Yeah, I need you, something to do. And you think do, that's you know? gonna like bring joy? And for the moment, it does. But it's but so I understand it because I also have like my impulse things that I do to like numb, mm-hmm. you know, and like distract myself from like what's going on in this moment. So I I totally get it, um, but. That said, like, all of my, literally, like, before this happened, I felt like I had too many clothes. Right. Like, (laughs) so literally all my, I I am buying stuff from, like, Amazon, for example. Yeah. Um, But um, I can honestly say they are things that I have that, that, like, like, I bought, like, some cutlery, you know? Right. And, like, oh, yeah. and, like vitamin, vitamin D something. That's different. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I bought that. I bought a monitor for my at-home office, which has changed right. my life. Um, yeah. And, like, I feel like those things are different than the people that I'm seeing that are just, like, shopping, like, buying clothes nonstop. And it's, like, clothes, and are you getting... clothes, clothes to wear where? And the... <laughs> <laughs> I got a, um, a notification from ASOS yesterday. You know I love me some ASOS because mm-hmm. they take care of the big boys. But um, it was, like, uh, free shipping, right? you know, for the next, what, however many days or whatever. And I was, like, what am I going to do with the clothes? Right, wear so, them like, where? What? No, no thank you for the free shipping. Yeah. Like no, Although, but you know, but ugh, I'm glad I didn't see that. I love a free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how places get me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll put that that story in the show notes. I just think for like for our demographic, especially, you know, like I just a lot of us, you know, we're didn't we're not raised with like, um very good financial habits mm-hmm. um, and, and know-how partly because where they were not passed down from their parents to our parents. And so um, I think right now is like, it's the time to like conquer down as much as possible. And it's not like you have to like, you know, eat, eat crackers for, for every meal. Right. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think we should all be like, taking better care of our finances. Yeah, and I think even if we don't, even if we haven't lost our jobs, like, this is a good time to just, like, reset in general. Reset, like, I I don't think that we're going to get this opportunity again, hopefully not for the reasons we're getting it now, um, to just, like, be in the house and, like, slow down a little bit. And I do think this is a good time to think about, like, what in your life you actually need. And that might be, like, people, things, I feel like I've been using this time to just like kind of take stock of like when I got to get down to the bare essentials, who or what needs to be left. I wonder about what's, you know, what's this new normal, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, we all I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking existential questions right now. Um, well, what I know is that if I never hear the term unprecedented or new normal ever again, it will be <laughs> too soon. Um, that was a couple months ago. That was um, that was this, uh, not even a couple. That's a few weeks ago. Amid was trending. Like all these stories talking about amid the oh, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like golly, all right. Unprecedented. Unprecedented amid. is just like my gosh. Can we get a precedent and keep moving? Yeah, it's all unprecedented, right? It's amid coronavirus. <laughs> We're figuring out the new normal of social distancing. It's like these are the words that are going to define this time. Well, do you want to intro our next segment? Yeah. <laughs> so we have a guest this week, which I love. Um, so this week we have Erica Lindsay, who is a service designer with a background in advocacy, urban planning, and social change initiatives. And she just did such an awesome job at helping us figure out like what we can do with this downtime when we all feel like a little helpless and hopeless um, to help the greater good. So yeah, come back for that. All right. So we are very excited about our guest today. Today we have Erica Lindsay, who is a service designer, with a background in advocacy, urban planning, and social change initiatives. 
Um, as JJ and I were thinking about what kind of content we would want to hear during this time, uh, we started to think about how helpless this all feels and how we want to help. And so the person that popped into my mind is my friend Erica, who is just like always in the know about uh, the causes that need support and a telephone tree you can be a part of, like just anything that has to do uh, with creating change. She's our girl. So we're so excited Thank to you. have you, Erica. Thank you Welcome. so much. It's so good to talk with you both. I'm so happy to, to share yeah. whatever I can that might be helpful. Awesome. How are you doing during this quarantine? Let's do a mental health check for everybody. Um, I like to say that I'm doing relatively okay. You know, I'm grateful for my health right now, my home, and that I am currently working. So all of those things are good. And I try to take walks every day and, you know, take care of my mental health. But, you know, every few days or part of the day, it's just like, oh, my goodness, you're in a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it sets in. It like comes out of nowhere and sets in. JJ, you want to keep it off? Yeah, so Erica, Shana said we we thought um, a lot of people right now are just sitting at home and wondering like, what can I Mm -hmm. contribute, you know, to to relief efforts or or to help people in this moment? You know, it can feel so powerless just sitting in your Mm -hmm. apartment all day. Um, And so I'm I'm curious, like, um, to get us started, just can you talk about some projects that you've worked on um, to help of us course. get to know you a bit better, help the listeners get to know you a bit better, and um, how those projects have influenced your approach to um, to social change? Yes, no, of course. Today? Um, I would say that I was raised in a household that was very politically engaged, so it's always been just a part of my life that if there's something that is not right, you hit the streets, you call your electeds, you write them letters. Like when we were kids, we like protested, unfortunately, you know, police violence, because that's been continuous. We protested the Iraq war as a family. We didn't eat grapes when I was growing up for a period of time to support the farm workers. So there's just always been a sense that like, Everyone could do their part to try and make a difference and raise awareness Mm -hmm. of issues. And so that I ended up going to planning school uh, with a focus on uh, community and economic development, because through school, I learned that people, communities already know what they want. They already, you know, they know that they want their parks to be better. They want their water to be clean. They want to be safer. And I thought that as an urban planner, I could uh, translate technical concepts into easy to understand language and explain the tools that people could use to advocate for their rights to make the city be what they need it to be. So that was my inspiration into going into the field. I used to work for the city at the mayor's office and say, you know, this was after Hurricane Sandy. And a lot of the work was how do you translate this really, again, technical FEMA language into language that people could understand so they could be like, oh, that's my risk. Mm. Like, I know that I'm impacted, but this map is so hard to read oh, you're showing me a map of my neighborhood. I could see my house and I know that purple is bad because you just explained it to me and, Mm. you you know, gave you three steps to take. And so I really like that, um, doing that type of stuff, like basically like democratizing information. And simultaneously, while I did this work, I was just friends with, people or surrounded myself with folks that were also involved in a lot of active, you know, they were activists, they were organizers. And so I was always hearing like, this, you know, this is an issue that we're working on. This is something that we're fighting against. I tried to keep the two simultaneously so I could stay plugged in and support. Right. Well, I think it's very, uh, um, a, 
apropos uh, that you used to work for the mayor's office uh, here in New York and that you um, led uh, the recovery task force after Hurricane Sandy um, because of obviously where we are today with the Mm -hmm. new coronavirus. Um, And and I know that you worked uh, specifically with community organizations and Mm faith-based organizations. um, And like you said, translating that information, helping communities understand the risk um, involved and a lot of what was going on. So, Thinking about like where we are today, um, <laughs> if there's if you were still working for the mayor's office, right? Um, you know, surveying mm-hmm. New York's response, um, the country's response, uh, the federal government federal government's response, rather. Um, what's what's one thing you would implement to help people uh, affected by the city's coronavirus spread and like help them to understand? some of the risks involved that maybe that are kind of mm, mm-hmm. going over their head? Um, I would, that's a good question. And you know, what's so tough about New York city politics is like, you think of something and you're like, I would do this. And you're like, wait, that's Cuomo. <laughs> that's not the Blasio. <laughs> so it's like some stuff I'm like, Oh yeah, I would, you know, freeze rent. Like I would freeze rent. Like people uh-huh. are so like our homes are the, one of the ways that we can stay safe. And I was like, I would freeze rent. And I'm like, wait, the mayor just asked the governor to freeze rent. <laughs> so that's like not in the city's jurisdiction. But this like um a thing mm-hmm. that I would do, this is not related to the work that I used to do, but like if I could do anything from, you know, the city level, um, I would make it really, really tough to arrest people right now. I would really Mm -hmm. make it like they, I just, I keep thinking about all the folks impacted by this. Like um, Mm -hmm. they, there was bail reform that was passed um, at the state level in January, but it was recently rolled back. Um, And the whole point was to make it harder for people to remain incarcerated for minor offenses because they couldn't pay bail. But I'm just so worried about people getting arrested for not like in our communities for like not wearing a mask and then they're in jail. And now they're, it's instead of just giving giving them them a mask. And so I would like, I don't have the correct. And if any of my friends that practice law hear this, they'll be like, it's this, this, and this that you could change. But I would make it really, I would really crack down on uh, arrest so that it's really hard to put people in jail. I am so worried about people that are incarcerated right now. Yeah. yeah. We've already seen so many headlines about, um, outbreaks mm-hmm. at prisons um and like you said you know the people in prison uh, are in there for offenses uh that lie on a very mm-hmm. wide spectrum yeah. of offenses right. um, yeah so i mean really i still would try and cancel rent like it could just especially because there's a mortgage like there's a mortgage freeze so why can't there be a rent freeze that's such for new yorkers that's like more than like 50 you know at least 50% of our income, which is like a rent burden. That is just something I think would be huge. Um, Also uh, for folks experiencing homelessness, like there's been news about people being in the subways. It's like, yeah, they're trying to stay as safe as they can, you know? And so it's like, I know that the city is starting to move folks into empty um, hotel rooms too, which is a solution. So if they weren't doing that, that's what I would say is like, how's folks experiencing homelessness? Mm. It's like, try and make people, um, everyone just as safe for New Yorkers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I do feel like that. I've heard that discussed a lot. It's like, we, we talk about shelter in place, Mm -hmm. but that's such a privilege to Mm -hmm. have a place to shelter. And, like, we even see that a lot of what they're doing with, like, offering meals to children and offering internet to families that don't have it. It's, like, we recognize that people don't have these things. 
and like their their necessities. And so it sucks that it took a pandemic for us to start helping. But like, these are the things that people need all the time. These are resources that people don't have access yeah, to. Yeah, this pandemic has really exposed so many structural inequities. It like, it's like mm-hmm. surgical how like it just is every way that institutions have failed people and have failed black people are just being revealed. All of the ways that it has fallen apart has been so devastating by this, but yeah. Do you feel at all optimistic that like them being exposed will lead to a change post this? Or will we like get amnesia and like once things are back? I'm hopeful. Like I feel like this, I still feel like we are right in the middle of it. So it's too soon to say that it won't have an impact and things are changing so significantly that there is the potential for other significant shifts. And like if some of the um, organizers I follow, if they have hope, and they've been following, you know, they've been organizing for years. I'm like, oh, okay, that's then something might change. I mean, if you had told me in January that in March they would get these Republicans to agree to give everyone in the United States a stimulus, not everyone, people were left out, but to just give out stimulus checks, I wouldn't have believed it. Right. And like, there's a lot of issues with that role, like how that went, but like, all of these shifts that had happened within weeks, I'm like, okay, like some change is possible. Things are not as static as yeah. we assumed. Yeah, and you have, you have like crisis training, or like, like it, it's interesting to me to say that you can predict this because it's like, you know, you helped after mm-hmm. Hurricane Sandy. You're always telling the family to get our emergency <laughs> folders together, like. You are a preparedness Yeah, I did, person. and I did work in preparedness, but I have, like, I can only speak for myself. I I, I ran into a, a former coworker on the street before I recorded. I was telling him that when we were talking about preparedness guides, when it, you know, we covered the gamut, and we are like, oh, yeah, pandemics, that could be a paragraph. You know, we're like, oh, pandemics, check the box. Right. Like, I did not. And it's just me. Um, Other people took, you know, like I wasn't the um, the one that like printed the document. But when we were putting content together, it was like, yeah, hurricanes, heat waves, like all of these other like flooding, drought, right? All of these, and then it was like pandemic, and you're like, yeah, it's yeah, not gonna happen. But you know, and it and it's also like it's happened. I just think the other pandemics in the past just didn't impact the United States in the same way that it region. Right. So I'm sure other countries yeah. are like, uh, you know, they were aware, like other countries already had the infrastructure to um, hospital, like to have those large hospitals from their past pandemics, like they dealing with SARS. So we weren't, right. the United States wasn't ready, but yeah, I was caught off. I did not, but you know, I will, I know, People think this was a bad idea, but I stand by my decision to have watched uh, Contagion Uh-oh. on March Ooh, Look, no. I watched it on March 1st. I was ready. I went and people were still going. I still went to like the Whitney and I was like, I'm not touching that screen. I'm not shaking your hand. I'm not, you know, I was already yeah. right. It scared me straight, basically. It was a scared straight for pandemic. Don't watch it now. Jay, wow. did you say you watched that? Uh, I haven't. I can't remember if I actually saw it in full, but I told you, uh, Philip. Oh, was really? In, my boyfriend. Yeah, he. My boyfriend is an actor. He makes a, a Ooh, really quick. He's an actor. <laughs> he makes a really quick um, appearance. He's like okay. an EMT loading loading. A is he the EMT that is loading Gwyneth Paltrow's side piece into the ambulance? I think so. Oh my gosh! He's a star. He's a star. Yes. Philip is a star. Oh man! When that unfolds in the movie, it's a real mess. They're like, "How did you get sick?" 
I feel like most of my questions are around like literally the logistics of helping, you know, like, so I mentioned earlier about like getting the stimulus Mm -hmm. and wanting to help. But then I also thought on the other side of people who like are Mm -hmm. barely making it and like Mm -hmm. can't pay their rent, but still want to be able to help. Coronavirus related volunteer your time. Like there's so many people that need help right now and it doesn't just have to be through donating money. Um, so, you know, like you could start super basic. You could just safely, safely text or leave a note for your neighbor and see if they need help. If you know that you live with people who are immuno, like in the same building with people who are immunocompromised or older, just leave them a note and say, I can pick up groceries for you next time. I could organize groceries to be delivered to you. Let me know if you need anything. Here's my contact information. Like it doesn't have to be. And again, if you are watching your pennies, you can still connect them to resources so other people are volunteering to buy other folks groceries. You don't have to be the one, but just reach out yeah. to your neighbor and leave them a note. I would say knock on their door, but I think let them follow up with yeah. you. Yeah. When it, when it when it comes to um financial mm-hmm. contributions, um a lot of people always uh you know, and there have been a lot of reports about this uh, of um people's donations not getting to where they mm-hmm. thought they were going, right? Uh, and so what advice would you have for people who are interested in, like, actively participating financially um, uh, who are also concerned about, like, will my contribution go directly mm-hmm. to this cause of this person? Like, for example, I, I've seen a lot of, like, people doing like direct mm-hmm. cash apps on Twitter and things like that. Um, so I yeah, know, have I love that. that is very heartwarming. I took a Twitter break because everyone was saying like worst case scenario things, but I love when people are like, Hey, I have a thousand dollars, put your cash app in the comments and they like are just directly helping each other out. That's great. Um, I would yeah. say that I tend to pick, like pick an issue that you care about and it doesn't like, any issue for me, I try and pick, um, like actionable, actionable, uh, political, like tasks around populations that get overlooked. So like bailout funds, like Shana mentioned bailout funds earlier until we fix this policy issue around like these criminal justice issues, there's all of these bailout funds, like Baji, Black Alliance for Just Immigration, a bunch of other folks, you know, exactly what your money's going to. It, like and they they update you. They're like, this person came home today because of the, you just it's immediate. Uh, I would go. I like supporting like scrappy organizations that have that are doing the work and may have small staffs, but they are out there. So I feel like that is a way that you know exactly what your funding is going to because they'll tell you like, can you give us funds to support this initiative? Um, I, I mean, it's leaning, I know we have so many like health related things, but my things are leaning criminal justice. Like there's, uh, this organization justice committee. They do, they're doing like, uh, police watches, like cop watches during coronavirus. I like to support them. Um, and if they do it safely, so they do like virtual trainings and they tell you how you could do cop watch. They do all kinds. They, um, justice committee is awesome because they do work with families that have uh, their family members have been murdered by police officers and they provide emotional support, help them through the whole legal process and so forth. So them communities for police reform, like all of these, these are all local, like New York based organizations, but find these um, smaller organizations that are, that have a call to action around a specific task. And I think, um, that that uh, will be pretty impactful. I feel like your money goes pretty far, like further at those uh, organizations. There's- yeah, I like, to fo- I like to focus on mm-hmm. the call to action part. Yeah. yeah. And how do you find, like, I know it's your job to know a lot of these, but like, 
is there, do you like look on social media? Like, is there a place that you go to to learn about these kind of new yeah. grassroots? Yeah. So, um, my, um, friends are organizers. Uh, my friend, um, Antonine is deputy director at Brooklyn Movement Center. They're awesome. They're black run community Oregon bedside and Crown Heights. Uh, they do stuff around tenants' rights, food justice, police accountability. So, some of like them, some of their partners. That's I'm a member of Brooklyn Movement Center. That's how I found out about these criminal justice orgs. And so I'll see something. I um, I'll follow these organizations. They'll uh, uplift other org- like other campaigns. And so you could see. And then I always do a quick check with my network. Like, hey, what have you heard about this organization? And just like see some of the other people that they're working with. Just to, you know, get a sense of what they do and that you're not just like giving it to one random Instagram account, you know, like it's a one person, that it's an actual organization. Um, but, and there's been mutual aid groups that have, so like no matter what neighborhood you're in, there's mutual aid groups, uh, which, you know, they organize uh, giving out supplies to neighbors, running errands, getting groceries. You could just donate. And it's complicated because some of these groups, not all of them, but some of them are like in these gentrifying neighborhoods that are like not run by the long time black and brown residents. So there may be a gap in outreach. So I, you know, that's why I was recommending like reach out. You could reach out to your neighbors. You can plug them into the mutual aid group. But if you don't feel comfortable going outside, you know, and, uh, and being in contact with other people, like these groups need people to do data entry and just like, Hey, we have all of these requests for food and groceries. And like, can you just input all these requests and call people back and like help us with that? Can you, you know, like if you're comfortable, you could drop off groceries. And I mean, at the very least you could just elevate all of these causes. Like I try on my Instagram, like to just share actionable items we're gonna put all of this in the show notes because there's just a lot that we can click on which is awesome um and i feel like with mental health and this being mental health awareness month like i'm thinking of and you just touched on this like how exhausting and hard it can be to stay Mm -hmm. aware all the time and to just like always know that there's causes and communities that like need your help so what do you do to balance your mental health? Like to stay aware, but also protect yourself. Um, So I will say that I pick a certain number of causes. So I just, I narrow the scope. I try and focus on groups that tend to be overlooked by larger. So like uh, black folks, uh, trans folks, immigrant communities, so that like that, I narrow that group down. Um, I have only, especially now, been looking at the news every three to four days. Like I get the city's texts about, you know, Corona updates. So anything I need to know, I find out, you know, I have to wear a mask now. But that has been, I do feel like I just, I talk to my family every day, like on the phone um, that helps. Yeah. And then I take, I, I mean, ideally I take walks. I know this is the same stuff that everyone's saying about their mental health, but it really does make a difference. It's like news breaks, narrow the scope of your activists focus, um, sleeping, yeah. hydrating. Oh, and I mean, also like if you have access to mental health support, like my therapist has been killing it. Like it is so Crucial to have yeah. mental health support. Yes. therapy. Yeah. Uh, if if it was not for therapy in this right? moment, boy. And then, boy, oh boy. I don't do even you know. do video for your therapist? I do video. Or just over the phone? And I bet you. I, I yeah. do video too, but she's been judging me and asking if I change out of my pajamas, so I think I'm going to not do that. <laughs> Wow. I was like, I was like, I didn't sleep in these, and she's like, Yeah, but I've also like seen you, and I feel like it might it might help you if you just like. <laughs> that sounds familiar. It sounds like somebody else told you that. Too. 
I don't remember that, but whoever did tell me that, both are rude. Like, yes, yeah. I want to be comfortable. But are they wrong? But are they wrong? Look, you can do wrong? whatever makes you comfortable. We are in a pandemic. Like, pick right. and choose what are crucial things and then go exactly. with that. And then just do the best you can. Throw yeah, a scarf over your pajamas. <laughs> I have like three sweaters that like the minute I put them on, people are like, oh, you look nice today. Uh-huh. And, and I'm like, I, I literally just wore this two weeks ago. Yep. I just rotate those three sweaters and it makes me yep. think I really got And it's dressed. like, you know how they say mullets, like business in the front party. It's like, I got a yeah. business top on and yoga <laughs> Lounge on the bottom. This oh, was thank so you. awesome. It was so great to see you both. Yes, thank you, know? you. I feel like it was also encouraging to just realize that there is like, there are a lot of things we can do, but then for you to bring us back to reality that we can't do everything. And so it's like, it's okay if you can't help every cause, like pick the ones that you're going to be involved with and action yeah. on those. So yeah, that was, that was nice for me to hear because I kind of have been feeling like, I'm not doing anything for the No, yeah, good. just do what you can and know that your friends, you're like, oh, you know, my friend is really supporting criminal justice issues. I'm going to focus on food access. You just know that everyone's doing what they right. can to make things better. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Well, thank this you is fun. so much. And yes, mm. we love this. And, you know, beware because we love oh. to have people back. <laughs> so, we might oh, be calling on I you again. Um, yes, but Thank take care you. of yourself. You too. Please stay safe. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You too. All right. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye, um, it's funny how often after our guests, I'm like, ask myself, like, do I do anything? <laughs> Like I already, am I am I useless? Right. Like I already felt like, you know, I got the stimulus check I didn't really want and I donated some of it and I've been like doing the things I thought I should be doing. And then Erica gives us like the longest list ever and I'm like, Oh, I've helped no one. You donated some of your stimulus check? Yeah, because I don't want it. <laughs> I feel suspicious of it. So as, anyway. as soon as it came in, I was like, who wants this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave a lot of it away. What is wrong with you? I'm suspicious of anything that comes from Donald J. Trump. I don't want. We're moving on to LLC. <laughs> what is your learned? <laughs> so my learned <laughs> is that they are. <laughs> this story, I don't know why it tickled me. Um, but they're using llama antibodies to try to come up with a cure for the coronavirus. Oh, I didn't know that. Apparently. So I was like past this article and apparently they often use llama antibodies to try to do treatments because llamas, humans only have one type of antibodies and llamas have two. And their second type mirrors looks pretty similar to humans. And so they that's what they use. And so they did the same for HIV, for like just like a lot of um, disease studies. And mm. I don't know, like it just felt very interesting to me. Like llama isn't an animal <laughs> that I think about when we, when we talk about like animal testing. You're hilarious. Why? <laughs> No, that's I like it. Right? It's just like like have you you've never heard of that either? I haven't. Right? I definitely learned something. And that. like whenever you talk about like animal testing and the use of animals in research, I feel like we think of monkeys, bunnies, mm-hmm. but llamas? But not llamas. Where and where are you out here getting enough llamas to like make a difference? <laughs> I always want to know who was the first person to be like, got it. <laughs> Like, I think right. I think that about a lot of things. Like, who was the first person to, like, watch something come out of a chicken's butt and be like, crack that open? <laughs> oh, let's see what that is. Let's see what that is. Oh, we could eat that in a different way than we eat the chicken now. Like, or, like, or who ate, like, 
like rat and was like, nah, no thank you. But then decided that like cow was okay. Like who just makes these decisions? Like all animals drink, make milk, but we don't drink the milk of all animals. Like, so who was it that's like cow, goat, sheep? That's cool. But like. It was also probably an evolution. Like I'm sure that people have, were drinking certain animals' fluids for periods of time and then realized maybe it wasn't healthy or there was just like a better alternative or whatever, you know, and we all just kind of collectively decided that, okay, cow, okay, go, you know. Or even like greens, like who looked at like spinach and kale and was like, cool, but then looked at like grass and was like, no, (laughs) don't eat that. Like, I just like, who, who made these choices? And who the way the way your brain works, man? Who walked up to a llama and was like, "You, there's something about you. There's something about you." And, and I'm gonna find out. Right? The llama's like, "Me, get out of here." <laughs> so that was that was my lunch. What did you learn? Um. So I have learned about trauma response. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, um, and it's not necessarily like it's not like uh, a newfangled term or like you know some awesome discovery that like nobody knew about. But it was through conversations with my with my therapist about some things I'm struggling with in the moment that um, that, that for some reason when he when he used the term trauma response, it just like clicked for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is why I'm reacting to this thing that's happening today because, you know, yeah, it, that has nothing to do with like my past trauma, but it's like triggering this response, you mm-hmm. know, from that I had when I was like 16 or, or whatever. Um, and it's just been really helpful to me because it, it's helped me when he, when he, when he used that term, it made me want to go look it up. But then also I like, made me more aware of like made me more um, uh, able to look at my own actions and reactions to things uh, objectively yeah. and say, oh, that's trauma response. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like you, like when people are traumatized, <clears throat> that like there's a mechanism that develops over time where you just want to run from everything mm-hmm. or like re- retreat when something gets tough. Um, and obviously this is a very tough time for us all. And so, you know, different behaviors like you know, retreating and numbing and like wanting to just zone out for hours or, um, or like just getting like a heightened emotionally or like taking on like a bunch of guilt and like things and all this stuff um, because of one unrelated thing that, that happened that can like totally ruin your day. Um, those are all trauma responses. And um, and for some reason, I don't know, I feel like he and I have, like, talked about that. Um, we've talked about that, that kind of um, reaction before. But for some reason, when he, like, gave it this name, it, like, triggered, like, something that helped me to kind of step outside of myself and be like, look at what you're doing. Like, look, like... Look at how you're retreating from people. Look at how you're isolating yourself. Look at how you're, you know, projecting or um, or stressing over something that's in the grand scheme of things, you know, smaller than, than what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've learned. Hmm. <laughs> Trauma response. Like th- things that we, the way, the way that things affected us in certain situations, no matter how long ago it was continues to like play out and it, it teaches us how to react to things in the present, right. you know, and we have to do a conscious unlearning of like those, um, those behaviors. Mm. So that is what I am currently focused on. That'll preach. <laughs> Cause as you were saying that, Woo. I'm thinking of like how I've been handling this time and, um, how the uncertainty is like how I handle uncertainty is definitely Mm -hmm. connected to trauma and like my need for every day to feel the same in order to feel comfortable. Um, 
so yeah, that'll. I got therapy on Monday. Yeah, that'll help. <laughs> um, did you have a loved? I did. So my loved, and like this is a tale that I've said before, but it's just like black women are just <laughs> the balm that we all need. Like, like, like this past couple weeks between Erica and Jill Scott, their Instagram live. Did you watch that? I didn't because I was on deadline, but don't spoil it because I do want to watch it and I'm going to find the stream. <laughs> what spoil? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me anything about it. <laughs> don't tell me what kind of head wrap. But you don't get to do that weeks later. Or what kind of candle she was burning. You don't get to like... do Weeks later, it's just like, <laughs> if you missed it, you missed it. Girl. Hold on, wait a second. It was not weeks. It was last week. Okay. Was it? So, yeah, Erica and Jill, and then her has been doing, like, Instagram lives that are just so good. Whose husband? Are you drunk? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, but I'm curious. I'm like, which one of them has a husband? You said her husband. I said her has been. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> oh her h-e-r the artist guy yeah. <laughs> see but but come on now you can't play me that's like that does sound like her husband her has been that's what you said her i has mean been. if i if if has been is how i say husband continue <laughs> <laughs> um and then i'm i'm so into tabitha brown i don't know who that is yes you I'm going to hang up. <laughs> you just sent me a, a, a link to her. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. The lady I'm, on TikTok. That I've loved her for months <laughs> and I follow her on Instagram. Like, get out. Yes, I remember now. I remember now. I love Tabitha Brown. All right. Did you have a loved? I do. Uh, <laughs> um, my loved right now is... Um, I've, I've talked about Headspace on here before, I think. Mm-hmm. But they just released a product. sponsor us. <laughs> Maybe one day. Um, they just released a productivity course. Um, and it has changed my life. Mm. Like, I It's noticed, new? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's new. And it's like, it helps you. It All it does is gets you to focus on the breath and like, trains you to like allow a thought to happen and then just come back to your breath mm-hmm. and i and i do them um usually I, when i do headspace i do 10 minutes at a time but for this one because i'm trying to build up like extended focus i do like 15 minutes and it's just like sitting for 15 minutes like staying focused on one thing and i know i definitely notice a difference when i do it versus when i am not when i don't have time to do it um but yeah, it just it's changed my life, and I um, yeah, I recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah, I need to go. Do back you do headspace? I don't. So I do meditate, but um, not guided. Like mm-hmm. I just set a timer on my phone. Oh wait, sorry. I do have one more loved. Uh huh. Um, Jada Essence Hall on RuPaul's Drag Race. Hmm. Are you watching Drag Race? No, I haven't for seasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't... I think, like, since Latrice uh, like, Royale was on there. Wow. That was literally, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. It's been a um, Well, anyway, there's... Um, you know, I we, we go up for, for the Black competitors, right? In most... You know, when they're, like, on their stuff and, like, they just need their their roses, like, and they're not getting them, you want to just root for them. And there's this one queen on here. She's, like, the only black queen left out of, like, five. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just, like, kills it. Like, every time she steps onto the stage, not only is she flawless, but she also made every garment that she, that she comes on the stage mm-hmm. on. Meanwhile, there are other queens on there who whose mom is a costume designer who made their garment right. or who, um, who has like, who, who has the funds to like hire, you know, some famous costume designer to do their, their look or whatever. Jada is not only funny, but she's also like, talented. she talented and she does it all herself. And she's like, 
hood from Atlanta, I think. Um, and just like funny. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm really rooting for her. People love her. And just like seeing her, like when I turn, when I tune into Drag Race, me and Philip every Friday night, we are watching for Jada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's bringing me love. Oh, and um, recently I tweeted, um, I responded to something she tweeted and she followed me on Twitter. Ooh, celeb. And so then, and so then I tweeted that I was having a rough week and it was all better because Jada Essence Hall followed me and she replied. And like people, like all her fans were like liking her reply and stuff. But she was like, she was like, this has been such a tough time for us and I and I hope your week got better. I was like, oh, oh my God. God. That's so exciting. <laughs> So I'll include a link. Maybe we could include a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> to your Twitter? Yes. To, oh, okay. her, to her tweet. That is, that is exciting, though. It was so... It was, I mean, you, you know, you're not talking about small delights in this time a lot. But, like, to for the contestant on this global show... Yeah. To, to, like, comment on your week, it was, like, just a little bomb. It was like, you know what? It's, this is okay. This is all right. Jada Essence Hall just liked, followed, and responded to me, and I'm I'm okay with it. That's awesome. So those are my loves. We need each other more than ever. Right. So if you need to talk to somebody, like call them. You yeah. know, like text, like at, you know, reach out, text somebody, Facetime somebody, Zoom, whatever. You know, like we need each other more, like now more than ever, because you know. This is the status quo for, and it's gonna. I, this is an, an unprecedented <laughs> new normal amid, amid the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. On that note, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a cancel, but I think that is um, that's a really great one to end on. Good. Well, we did it. <laughs> Our full, we did it. Our first full lockdown episode with a guest and everything. And we everything. Out, we figured we out the figured logistics. Out. <laughs> no us, no us. Oh, I love All it. Right. And I love you. I love you. Everybody stay safe. Check the Take show care notes. Of yourself. Yes, please. Um, and, you know, find the small delights where you can. We'll be back. Yeah. All right.